You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you and you can even bless someone else with it. Book of John chapter 4. I've got lots of time. Look at that clock back there on the wall. (laughs) Hallelujah! Dang! A miracle in church. God made time stand still. You heard about the sun stopping in... Don't you touch that clock back there either while I'm preaching. I'll stop and pray bow my head pretty soon an hour go by. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, man, that's, that's right. That's right. I got two hours to preach. I could do it. You couldn't handle it, but I could do it. These are only our chairs, by the way. That's how you can tell a church, by the type of chairs they have. I was raised, I tell you, I, I was raised Southern Baptist in Wichita Falls, Texas, and we had pews that had cushions on them. You ever had those pews with cushions on them? Hallelujah. I tell you, you never, I, I saw, I'd go to my grandparents in Minnesota, Parker's Prairie, Minnesota, Baptist Church up there. They didn't have, they didn't have cushions on their pews. 15 minute chairs right there. That 15 minutes, you're done. You're like, <laughs> and that's a little kid. I tried laying down and everything, you know, trying to, trying to get comfortable in that church with, but my grandma was there, so I, I put up with it just so she could love on me. But anyway, these, these are our chairs. You, you should be able to sit there an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Let's we'll stretch it. John chapter 4. Hallelujah. I'm not going to take the time to, to read all of this scripture, but the, this basically is talking about this, uh, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Uh, I'm going to start reading it. And then we're going to skip down through it as we go along. So please don't think I'm doing the scripture injustice by skipping through it. Because everybody, I believe everybody has heard this story once or twice in our lifetime if you've been involved in church at all. But uh, the passage of scripture here starts this way. We're going to start in um, um, verse 5. Uh, verse 4. But he needed to go, go through Samaria. You know, on, on Jesus' way from Judea to Galilee, there's a town called Samaria. And he had to go through Samaria to get to Galilee, okay? And so on verse 5 says, So he came to a city of Samaria, it's called Shachar, near the, the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey. Now the reason I stop and and emphasize that is because we're going to talk about why Jesus was at the well. Jesus was weary from His what? Okay, everybody say that again. Jesus was weary from His... He was weary from His traveling. He wasn't weary from His ministry. He was weary from His walking and He stopped. Now Jesus didn't travel by Himself. He had His disciples with Him. He didn't stop at the well because He was thirsty. Now, there's no doubt that he would have drank from the well. But he, he stopped at the well because he was weary from his journey. Look what it says here. It says, being weary from his journey, he sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now, in, in, that's not six o'clock in the morning. That's late in the evening. 
What you need to understand about Jacob's well in the area of Samaria, that there was two groups of people in this area. There were Jews and there were Samarians. Uh, Samarians weren't Jews. They had Jewish blood in them, but they weren't Jews. They were Samaritans. They weren't Jews. Jews and you understand they weren't Jews. They uh, and please don't don't be offended. I, I, I was trying to think of a good way to explain this. It's almost uh, uh, I'm going to use the word half breed, but I don't want to be offensive to anybody. Okay, you know it was a. It wasn't, a Jew was a true lineage of, of a Jew. A Samaritan had been watered down and had multiple different influences in the blood and, and things like that. And so the Jews related to the Samaritans just like in the olden days people did. You know, like with a half-breed. A half-breed was not welcomed by the white folks and a half-breed wasn't welcomed by the, the Indians. It was like, it was, everybody looked down at them. You know what I'm saying? Am I trying to make... Does everybody understand without being offended? I mean, they, it was the group of people that everybody... There wasn't a... They got, oh, you're not this or you're not that. You're something else. And so, so the woman at the well, she came in the sixth hour of the evening because all the other people came during the day, the morning hours, to get their, uh, their water for the day and so she waited to the sixth hour because she didn't want to participate. She didn't want to become in conflict with the other people around the well. She wanted just to come get her water and do it on her own and then go home. And she was trying to isolate herself from everybody else because nobody came and got water in the sixth hour. It just wasn't part of the custom. Okay, So here we have the picture of Jesus coming to the well. He comes to the well in the sixth hour and this, this woman comes up to, to Jesus and Jesus tells, asks her, says, draw me some water. And she's amazed that a Jewish man would ask her, a Samaritan woman, to even speak to her, let alone ask her to do something for him. Does everybody see the picture? And so you have this Jewish man asking a Samaritan woman to do something for him. Matter of fact, later on in the story, you'll see that when the disciples came back because they went to go get food. So as Jesus came up to this, this well on this mountain, on this, and there's really not a mountain, but you know what I'm saying, on this mountain, uh, the disciples went on into town to get food. Jesus stayed there to rest because he was weary from the journey. A Samaritan woman comes up with a pitcher that she was going to draw water from. And as she goes to go up to draw water, Jesus says, Hey, draw me some first. She's shocked and amazed that a Jewish man would ask her to do something, a Samaritan woman, to draw him some water. And she says something about that, and Jesus responds back to her. He says, Listen, if you only knew of the, the water that I had to offer... And if you would ever partake of what I had to offer, you would never thirst no more. And you know the rest of the story. We'll just, you know, and Jesus went on to tell her, says, go, he says, go, go get your husbands. Or go get your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And what's Jesus say? Jesus says this, listen, you've had five husbands and the one you're with is not your husband. Does everybody got the picture? And she's shocked and amazed because she knows that he, he's telling her stuff about her life that 
he didn't know or wasn't supposed to know. Now, here's the picture. Jesus came there not to drink but because he was weary and he sat down. She came there to draw water, to get some water to drink and take back to her home. And the issue was never about water. You know how we know that? Because nowhere in this story does anybody take a drink. She leaves her pitcher there. I don't know if you're, see, I've got a simple mind. But who's drinking the water? Who's, drink, who's reaching down into this well and taking the water out? Nobody, because the story is not about drawing the water out of Jacob's well, that deep well. Now, there's lots of symbolism there. Jesus being the well, and we've all heard the stories about Je- you know, that water of Christ. And, and Jesus even said, listen, if, if you partake of this water, there's a, there's a well that will be birthed in you and coming out of you as it develops will be rivers of living water. You know, the scripture says, if you believe in Jesus, as the scripture says to believe, believe rivers of living water will come forth from you. It will just come out of your mouth. If you're bu- being affected by the Jesus inside of you, it's going to come out of you. Does everybody understand that? You can't take Jesus on the inside and not have Him come out on the outside. You can't. If you're taking Him in. If you're drinking from His well. If you're drinking from Him. Well, here's the neat thing. What you need to realize is that, see, this woman was thirsty, but see, there's a spiritual and a physical thing happening here. She had a physical thirst. Let me back up. She had a spiritual thirst that was manifesting physically. She had a thirst for something spiritual. And because of something, she had an internal thirst. She tried to, in the natural, satisfy that thirst through husbandry. Well, that one didn't satisfy me. I'll get me another one. And that one didn't satisfy her, so she went and got another one. And she did that five times. And the one that she was with wasn't her husband either, and she wasn't satisfied with that one because that's not something that can be satisfied in the natural. When you have a spiritual thirst... uh, Listen, there are... Listen. Look at your life. And you'll see a pattern. That pattern, if it has gone throughout your life, you'll notice that it is... Well, see, some people look at food like... It's just not about drinking water. Some of us are hungry. And we think food is what's going to satisfy us. But there's something called the Word of God that's there to satisfy... Listen... I, I tell you what, one of the greatest, greatest weight loss programs you'll ever encounter in your life is when you satisfy the hunger in the natural by going to the hunger in the Word. And satisfy, I mean, you don't know how many times I, I eat just because it's like, oh, I'm bored, I guess. I don't know. I got to do, find something put in my mind. I got to do something. I just open up the Word and start satisfying yourself by the Word of God. 
Start feeding yourself from the Word and you'll find out you're not going to be hungry in the natural. People have patterns in their life over and over and over again and all the physical problems that they're having are, is a result of something that they're trying to answer that's a spiritual problem. And they're trying to take care of a spiritual problem and the natural, just like the woman at the well that had five husbands. She wasn't really thirsty. Because when she had her spiritual need met, she left her pitcher behind and never drank any water. Because the issue in her heart was taken, taken care of. And as soon as it was taken care of, she went back into Samaria and talked to all the men and told all the men about, about this man that she met that told her everything that she'd ever done, which was a sign of the Messiah, the Christ. This is a cool story because what it's showing is a spiritual need and people trying to satisfy it in the flesh. Here's another part of the cool story. Jesus was weary. Matter of fact, I need you to see this. Verse 6, it says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus was therefore being weary from his journey. He sat thus by the well. Turn over uh, to verse 33. Verse 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. This is after they came back, uh, after the men in the town had come up. She's out there telling everybody about what Jesus had told her. And it says here, it says, it says In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. See, he was weary, and they went to go get food. All right? So all this took place while they were gone getting food. Why? Because he was hungry. He was weary. He needed nourishment. Jesus, the Son of God, needed nourishment. He was weary from his journey. Got the picture? In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Now wait a minute. What this is saying, get the picture here. They go get Jesus some food. When they get back, he's not hungry, he's not weary, he's energized, he's ministering to the people that came up to see him. He's reinvigorated because he is ministering from himself. He's not weary no more without physical food. You're not seeing this. God gets energized and motivated when you take from Him. Jesus had the water taken from Him, from the Samaritan woman. And as He released what was inside of Him to her, it re invigorated him and it brought him strength and he see the very aspect of Jesus giving out from himself brought him to a place of being magnified God wants you to draw from him he's not asking you to get right before you ask 
Uh-oh. He's not asking you to get your ducks in order before you make your request be made known to God. We're going to break some mentalities here this morning. Listen to this, people. God, this is such a mindset in the body of Christ. Well, we're just going to let them hit bottom and then they'll see God down in the bottom. Bless God, He'll get their attention when life gets so bad. Bless God, we love them in spirit. You know what I'm saying? You know, churches are the meanest, angriest people in the world. Blessing, thinking people, well, we're just going to back up and, well, bless God, we'll let them get down there and we'll just, they'll, they'll find God down there, maybe, and if they don't, How are we praying for people? Let me show you what to see. You want some scripture? Jesus is needing some disciples. So Jesus is walking by the seaside and he says, Hey, fishermen, catch any? No. Nope. Been out here all day. Well, cast on the other side. Aren't you a carpenter? I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing. I just put your net on the other side. Prosperity hit the boat. So much in their net, they couldn't contain it. Listen, they hadn't followed Jesus yet. They hadn't followed Jesus yet. They hadn't committed to nothing. And Jesus poured out His prosperity upon them. And out of the goodness of God, they saw the truth and repented. That's why the scripture says in Romans, it says the goodness of God will draw all men to change their mind, to repent about the way they live. Listen, it is the goodness of God. Listen, God wants you to draw from Him. He wants you to... God, God... I got to be careful. I get a little... I got to be gentle. God's not... The church's religion is waiting for you to line up before you get anything good. Because they know you won't ever line up. God is saying you don't have to line up. It's already there for you. Because God knows once you experience His goodness, you'll turn toward Him in relationship. It'll take you out of living under the law and live you in relationship. I love this. You know, nowhere in the Old Covenant does anybody refer to God as Father. They always refer to God as God. Only in the New Covenant does, do people refer to God as Father. Paul says from God our father they, they, he's not mentioned as father over here in the old covenant but there's a relationship that builds over here in the new covenant because of the goodness of god because of the water that's already been listen the woman the woman that grabbed his hem of his garment just grabbed and took from him i'm not saying in an ugly way listen they wanted jesus god wants to pour out his blessing he's already poured out his blessing Everything that pertains... See, in the Old Covenant, they had to believe for their daily bread. Uh-uh. Oh, just give me my daily bread. No, in the New Covenant, everything that pertains to life and godliness is already ours. It's already ours. All we need to re- is to receive, and God wants us to partake of it because He knows once we partake of something that we, you didn't pay for, most people think you've got to pay to receive the promises. By something you do or something you don't do or if you was good enough or not bad enough or whatever, you know, send out this love offering and you get to the Acts 20, 20 thing going. 
just received from God. Because he gets energized. He does. Listen, that's what Jesus is here for. I don't want to jump into this because this is just too cool. Uh, we're going to end with this. In, in, in John chapter 8, uh, I believe it is. Uh, we're not going to turn to the scripture there. But it's another story where Jesus is ministering and there's another woman involved. And, uh, you know, Jesus is, is in the, the scripture says that he's in the temple. And as he's in the temple, the Pharisees come up to him with a person they've caught in adultery. You know this story? So they, they have the, the person that's been caught in adultery, the her. They've caught this woman in adultery. In America, it takes two. I know that. Maybe back now in some Jewish, I don't know, maybe some... No, it takes two to commit adultery. Where's the man? It was probably one of the crowd, one of the Pharisees. <laughs> we caught this woman in adultery. Moses says, Moses' law says to stone her. What do you say? You know what Jesus does? This is too cool. This is too cool. Laura, where's Laura? This is it. You writing your notes? Get your notes. I'm not going to stop for you. What, what, what did Jesus do? He what? He knelt down with his finger. And what did he do? See, that's where everybody says. That's what we've been taught. Because that's what the Word said. The Word says that he took his finger and he wrote in the dirt or in the ground. Anybody been to Israel before? This whole area where the temple was at, there's no dirt. It's cobblestone. So, I'm glad you asked. Moses was in the Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments the first time. And what wrote the Ten Commandments in stone? So when they came to accuse and they started quoting the law of Moses, I know the law. He started writing it again. The first time Moses brought the law out of the mountain and the glory was shining through him, they all turned in fear. They, the, the, the glory of the Lord coming through the Ten Commandments made them afraid. We're not going to get in. We've already talked about, over the, the, about what happened after that. You realize Moses had to go, God had to do it twice? Moses broke the Ten Commandments, had to go back another 40 days and get another set of, that God had to do this again, John chapter 8, Jesus kneels down a second time and writes in the dirt again, twice. The second time on Mount Sinai, when Moses came out of the mountain, listen to this, Moses comes out of the mountain the second time with the Ten Commandments, God says, Moses, don't break them. I'm not, he didn't say that. <laughs> he, said, he goes, this time, put them in the... Put them in the Ark of the Covenant under the... What was on top of the Ark of the Covenant? 
the mercy seat. Wait a minute. Put the Ten Commandments under mercy. <laughs> Laura's getting excited back there. He put the Ten Commandments under the mercy seat. The second time Jesus reached down like this with His finger, He stands up, listen to this. He says, woman, where are your accusers? See, the ones that wanted to accuse him, accuse her, couldn't. The one that could accuse her didn't want to. The ones that wanted to couldn't. And the one that could didn't want to. She says, they don't condemn you, nor do I. Go and sin no more. Listen, here it is. If you don't hear anything else. The church is telling you don't sin and we won't condemn. Is that not the way the church works? You don't do something wrong, we won't condemn you. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you, so now don't go, do it. go out and don't sin anymore. The power and the ability not to sin comes from a freedom on the inside of not being condemned. Now therefore there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's not about you not doing things right or wrong so you're not condemned. You're not condemned so it frees you not to do anything wrong. Being, being in relationship, knowing that you're a son and a child of God, living in the freedom of Christ, gives you the ability that you don't have to try to answer the things of the... See, the only reason you're sinning is to satisfy some urge of the flesh that is really a, something that's missing on the inside. There's something missing on the inside. There's a pleasure. See, sin is pleasurable for a season. No, that's not something I said and quoted. That's something in the Bible. Oh, the pastor said, it is. And you know it's true. That's why you sin. Because it's pleasurable. There's only one reason. And it's not the devil didn't make you do it. You did it because you like it. You're not fooling me. You do it because you're used to it. You're doing it because you like it. You're doing it because there's a void on the inside of you and you think you're getting it satisfied by doing something in the flesh. And you think you're by the more water you get or the more husbands you have, the more satisfied you... No. You satisfy the need in the Spirit and you won't have the lust of the flesh. You walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the desires of the flesh. That's what the Bible says, right? It says if you walk in the Spirit... You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You don't walk in the Spirit, you will fulfill the lust of the flesh. No amens? Y'all are wise not to say amen. <laughs> the Bible says walk in the Spirit. That means to have your life fulfilled from this. You need to understand you can take from God. He wants you to take from Him. He wants you to participate with everything He's already given. You don't have to qualify. You're part of the family. You have the inheritance that Jesus has. It's already yours. Just reach out and... But I hadn't been to church. I doesn't matter. Listen, 
You need to come to church not because you have to. You, want to, you need to come to church because you want to. When the church, the body of Christ begins to generate and having a want to inside of them, watch what happens. We'll start having some happy Christians. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he went long. Wow. That preacher, he went long. See, when, you, when, you got, when you're getting the word, you're not, oh, preach on, preach on. When you know there's something happening on his, yeah, give me some more. Give me some more of that water of the word. Give me some more from Jesus. Because you know that time won't be an issue. You won't be trying to get out of here before the Methodist and the Presbyterian, the lunch line start. Man gets out of here, we just beat that crowd. Because there's a satisfaction that's taking place on the inside. Yeah, give me some more of that. Because you know it's satisfying. It's doing something. But if you don't walk in the Spirit, you will fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you see how the Scripture works together? Perfect example of what we're talking about. Jesus was back here in John chapter 4. She wasn't walking after the Spirit. She was walking after... There was a need she was trying to fill in the flesh that she had in the Spirit. And she had multiple husbands. And it never be satisfied. Jesus didn't drink. She didn't drink. She left her water pot. That wasn't the issue. The issue was she needed something in her heart. She needed to be satisfied on the inside. Once you're satisfied on the inside, you can get rid of your husbands. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I didn't. I, 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 don't take that literally. But you can get rid of. You, you can get rid of. I'm glad no, none of the ladies said amen. <laughs> Listen. But see, see, you get sad, you get satisfied. See, you can manipulate that scripture to say anything you want to. Now we can't do it. You get satisfied on the inside. You can say no to all kinds of things, all kinds of lust and perversions, addictions to the flesh. You'll be able to say no to it because you're satisfied now. Amen. Let's stand up. Don't come up to me next week. Well, Pastor, you said we get rid of our husbands. I didn't say that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, you're our great teacher. Holy Spirit, I thank you for being real with us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that that you're taking what we know and you're bringing us into a point of revelation and understanding. That as we take the word that's been planted in our head, may it be planted now in our heart and bring transformation because it's not changing on the outside it's transforming on the inside that you are all about so we open up our heart we open up our mind we're willing to set free ourselves the things of the traditions of men it's not about my granddaddy it's not about my daddy it's about my father Father God Father God may we understand that your ways are for us and not against us that your desire is for us to prosper and to be in health even as our soul prospers Father may we understand that everything that pertains to life and godliness is already ours we don't have to qualify because we've been pre-qualified You know, look up here. I, I, I just heard that. You ever had to qualify for a home loan? 
That's miserable right there now. Get your ducks in orders. But what if you're pre-qualified? You've already been pre-qualified. You can just go in and write the check. According to His riches and glory, church. He didn't do it so you had to qualify to get it. He pre-qualified you so you could live in it. You're one of His children. Holy Spirit, you're the great teacher. Teach us your word. Bring us transformation. Bring revelation. We welcome it. We consider everything that we've known in the past as useless just to gain Christ in one area. Christ in us, the hope of glory. May we understand, Father God, who we are and whose son, whose children we are already. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your revelation. And Father, thank you for this time of fellowship that you've given us, one with another, because we didn't forsake it today. We walked in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.